The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Fourth down, less than three. Tug of Aloha looking to throw. He stumbles. He's wrapped up by Harold Landry. Taken down. The Titans defense stops them. Harold Landry and the rest of the Titans defense smothers Tug of Aloha. It'll be a 37-yard field goal try to win it. The snap is good. The ball put down the right for the kick is away. And it is good. The Giants have won. Well, you know, in theory, I didn't like the idea of two games being played at once. It does give you insurance in the event that one of them stinks. Maybe the other one won't stink. What we got last night was two games that ended up being unexpectedly compelling unexpectedly great there was a moment when both games were moving toward a conclusion where I thought to myself this is pretty damn good now the problem is it sets an expectation the next time we have simultaneous Monday night games people are going to think oh we're going to get another Packers Giants Titans Dolphins night maybe we won't but last night if it was an experiment it worked well that's no guarantee it's going to work well in the future but I'll take it. Last night was fun to watch those two games at once as Miles indicates his position on the matter without saying a single word. Nonverbal communication from Miles. Use of a finger other than his middle finger. A thumb pointed straight down for anyone listening to PFT Live on Sirius XM 85. If you're watching on Peacock, good morning. Hello, how are you? It's Tuesday. It's December 12, 13 days until Christmas, 12 shopping days, or 13, or 14, really, or 15. Who the hell counts? You don't have to give a Christmas gift on the 25th. 12 days of Christmas, right? You got until January 6th if you really want to push it. I don't recommend it with, you know, your spouse or your children. But for others in your orbit, you could push it beyond the 25th. Anyway, good morning, Miles. How are you? You go 12 days of Christmas, and the first day is Christmas is December 25th. Isn't the first day of yes. like the song supposed to be 12 days before or 11 days before? No. And that's no. when you get the partridge in a pear tree. You start so you would start no. giving the birds no. on the day of Christmas, and then you're going all the way up to January 6th with 12 lords leaping. That's too that's yes. you know what that's that's far too much. That's far too much. It's a put the Christmas is a December thing, Mike. The holiday season basically ends at January 2nd. Okay, I don't want so to, you to have... turn this into a theological conversation. This well, is Advent. The first day of Christmas is the 25th. The 12th day of Christmas is January 6th. That's how it works. I don't make the rules. I just follow I them think sometimes. You, I think you just did make the rules. You know, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Miles. I, very few true? things am I certain about. This is one of them. 
Yes. Okay. The twelfth yeah, well, day of Christmas I, is Epiphany. That's when that's when the wise men okay. arrived with gold, frankincense, wow. and myrrh. After following the star, star of wonder, star of bright, star. Shit, I had it going pretty oh. well, but star of wonder, oh, star man. of night, star of royal beauty, bright. Westward leading, yeah. still proceeding. Guide us All to Thy man. perfect light. That's right, where they right, were right. going. They get there on the sixth. They get there on the sixth huh. of January. Although it okay. really wasn't December 25th. Apparently, apparently, yes. there are many gods in various religions whose birthday is December 25th because it was uh-huh. aimed at countering a pagan ritual that kicks in when the days begin to get longer. The 21st right. is when the, 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 this darkness we're residing in bottoms out and starts to go the other way. And when the primitive people noticed that, the pagan ritual was to worship, I don't know, something other than whatever gods the right. people were worshiping. So there's a bunch of gods in various religions whose birthday is the 25th. It's either one hell of a coincidence or it was counter-programming to the pagan ritual that broke out once people realized the days start getting longer, apparently. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was counter-programming. And, you know, Courtney has placed in our rundown that you are absolutely correct, uh, that, you know, what you said was right. But speaking of counter-programming, I do not like two simultaneous Monday Night Football <laughs> games at the same time. And I don't care that both games ended up being great. Don't do it. Stop putting the stupid box of the other game in my game when we're watching the game. Because it's ahead. Right? I have no Here's the I, problem. I, just, I can't. I can't deal with it. Why in the hell, yeah. when the game has been over for three minutes, are we still watching somebody celebrate when there's stuff going on in the other game? Don't put it on my screen anymore, ESPN. Yeah. Stop it. I don't understand why we have to keep doing this. It doesn't make any sense. And frankly, if I'm a Miami fan, if I'm a Tennessee fan, if I'm a Giants fan, or if I'm a Packers fan, why in the world do I want this stupid box that is showing me another game that I am not watching in the middle of my game? If I want to watch the the other game i will watch the other game enough with the experiment i hate the experiment i don't care how close the games were i don't care how not close the games would have been it doesn't matter don't do it stop enough monday night football is one game at a time there's a reason why god made it that way in the 70s all right let's keep it that way some things are traditional and they should stay traditional god patrick mahomes calm down good lord (laughs) I, oh, oh, now you're going to tell me I, to calm down? I will not calm down, all right? It is 4 in the morning here in Los Angeles, and I am doing this damn show, and I will say what I need to say, and I need to say that. I will, I will agree with you on this point, and it really is ridiculous. I think the whole purpose – now, the NFL frames it as an experiment. From ESPN's perspective, it's like ratings insurance. If one of the games is caca, the other game might not be – And they're going to package the total rating. And what they will do is they'll send out a press release later today around dinner time that thumps their chest. And it's not a criticism. Everybody does it, including us. Everybody sends out the, oh, 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 look at all the people that tuned into our network to watch our game. Well, when you put two of them together, the unprecedented simultaneous broadcast, and I have all these numbers, and, and they're going to hopefully be maximum numbers because there were two games being played at once. But I agree with you. If you're going to do that, if the whole idea is one plus one equals three, if that's their idea, more is better, that's fine. But I agree with you a thousand percent, which is not mathematically possible, but I'll do it anyway. I agree with everything you said. If I want to watch one game, that's the game I'm watching. I'm not. And if I want to do split screen, On my YouTube TV account or whatever similar technology is available on other providers, or if, God forbid, I have two TVs set up and I'm already watching both games, I don't need, I don't need ESPN, you to go split screen on one of them because that one's ahead of the one I'm watching. So I didn't see the game-winning field goal in the Giants game on the TV that was showing me Packers at Giants I saw it as half a screen on the game I was trying to not watch while I was trying to watch the ending of Packers Giants so stop it with that I don't have a problem ESPN if you keep doing simultaneous broadcasts but stop with the stupid 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 
split screen during the game. Nobody wants the split screen during the game. This is not 1982. We're capable of watching two things at once. We don't need you to show us two things at once. Stop it. I was so pissed last night when I'm trying to watch the ending of the Giants-Packers game and I see the kick go through in my peripheral vision on the game that I wasn't watching. That's a spoiler. That pisses people off, ESPN. If you're going to keep doing this, and NFL needs to tell them because they don't care what we say. But if Big Shield picks up the phone and calls Bob Eisner, is that his name? I, I should probably I should probably know his name. But Iger, Iger, Michael Eisner, Bob Iger. That's why I'm yeah. confused because yeah. Michael yes. Eisner yes. was the that president right. at one point. You're right. If Big Shield picks up the phone and says, "Hey, Bob Iger, don't do that anymore. They're not going to do it anymore." So I beseech you, Roger Goodell or whoever else at 345 Park Avenue is watching this show to monitor in the event that we say something you sh- that you should complain about to NBC and we give you plenty of fodder for that. You complain to ESPN about this. Call Bob Iger. Call him up. Call him up and say, Bob, Bob, Bob. It doesn't ch- – because there's not going to be a rating spike in Titans-Dolphins if right. they go double screen. And it doesn't matter. What if somebody – okay, well, what's going on in the other game? I'm going to change the channel. If there's somebody out there – that actually is watching on one TV. I'm going to change the channel. No. You're still getting the ratings point. You don't need to show us two games at once. All right. I'll even, oh, wait. wait. I'll be solutions-oriented But I don't this, care. All right? But before, before we I'll, – I'll be solutions-oriented. If you want to do that, then what you can do – and by that, I mean show the two games in the double box. Put that on ESPN News. Right, we've already got the Manning cast on ESPN too, so fine, I get that. That's another way where you can really do the two games at once thing. And I didn't watch that broadcast last night, but I heard that that's what they were doing. I bet nobody watched it last night. I bet, I bet nobody. I bet they didn't even promote it last night. You know, Buck and Aikman are always bending over backwards to promote it. They didn't even mention it last night. Exactly. So if you're gonna do that, and you've got that on ESPN too, put the double box on ESPN News. Voila, if anybody wants to watch the two games at once and they don't have multi-view, which NFL has basically sent everybody to by saying YouTube TV is the only way you can get Sunday ticket, right? And then otherwise it's on YouTube. That's fine. But I have it. You have it. And it's great. But if you don't have that, then put it on ESPN News and you have a double box. And that way, anybody who wants to watch the two games at once and they don't have that available to them, boom, it's right there on one of your other networks. Leave me alone when I'm watching my game, please. And even if they would somehow perfect the technology that seems to be perfectable, that whatever is coming through the Titans-Dolphins game by way of a two-box matches what I'm otherwise watching on ABC, Packers-Giants. If they even could thread that needle, which, again, that seems like a needle they should be able to thread. Because I'm thinking, like, am I behind? Am I behind? No, I'm not behind. I'm caught up on both. Why am I seeing the future on the game I'm not watching when I'm trying to watch the present on the game I am watching? But even if that's the case, there may be some people out there who are behind on one, and you're messing it up for them by doing it. So, Bob, look, if you you don't get the call from 345 Park Avenue, I'm telling you, Bob, don't do that anymore. Just tell somebody. All you got to do is tell somebody. Just say but you don't even have to say it out loud. All you have to say is something like, well, you know, it was a little, a little frustrating when the double box came. And then that's it, the end of the double box. You don't even have to give the order. It's billionaire's privilege. You just say, you just say ah, I didn't really like that, and it's gone. It's gone. We'll say it more strongly for you, Bob. It needs to go. I've got no problem with the multiple games. I don't want it on a regular basis. I enjoyed it last night. There may be nights where I don't like it. I still prefer, if I had my choice, one game at once. But don't ruin Don't ruin one of the games I'm watching. Don't ruin the game I have the audio on for by showing me what's happening in the game that I'm trying to enjoy the moment and the drama. And and here's why the NFL should make that phone call today. Every time the draft approaches, they make the phone calls to all the network partners. Make sure you tell your reporters no tipping of picks for the draft. We want to preserve that moment of drama on the commissioner strolls to the podium, listens to the booze, and then announces the next pick. We don't want that to be spoiled. Well, if I'm trying to take in the full moment of the sound and the, the anxiety 
and the guys lining up for the kick. And they were saying, boy, he looks like he's thinking about a lot of stuff, right? Well, I didn't even get to enjoy that last 10 seconds because the kick was made, and I saw it in the corner of my eye. That's reason enough to tell ESPN to stop it with the double box. Don't assume your audience is, is too or lacks the, the creativity or the resources to find a way to monitor both games. There's, yes. Everybody's got the ability. If you've got the ability to watch one, you've got the ability to watch two. We don't need to be yes. shown two. All right, enough of that. 13 minutes. But I think we speak on behalf of the fan. If that bothered you and it bothered me, chances are it's going to bother a lot of people. And uh, uh, off we go. All right. Dolphins fans bothered by what happened last night. The 27-13 to 13 lead that happened like that. Dolphins were one of my best bets this week. And when I say that, I don't bet. People think that, like, I was mad about the uh, apparently, potentially, arguably Joe Burrow injury being hidden because I bet big on the Bengals. I didn't bet anything on the Bengals. I actually picked the Ravens to win and cover that night for the picks that Chris Sims and I do. I just think it's wrong to hide injuries because it can create all sorts of problems for the NFL. So I don't bet. But, but I was very happy when the Dolphins turned a 13-13 game into a 27-13 game because all of a sudden they're covering the spread. And there was a moment on that next drive where Will Levis put a ball up in the air that could have been picked off. It was number four for the Dolphins. One of the problems with single digits, it's harder to keep the names and the numbers straight with a lot of these teams because it's a non-traditional number and a guy's playing defensive back or linebacker, and I don't know who number four is without looking it up for the Dolphins. Anyway, he didn't make a very good play on the ball. He picks it off. That game's over. Well, after that. And then I'm thinking, oh, Levis is going to give him another one. Will Levis is going to give him another one. Right down the field. Oh, they're playing a little soft on defense. They'll be fine. And then three and out. And the Titans pull off something that has not happened this century. Down 14 or more with three minutes or less remaining in the game. They won the game in regulation. Happened in overtime. Didn't happen in regulation. And there you see some of the highlights as the Tennessee Titans did the unthinkable, erasing the 27-13 deficit. And that was the moment. The 36-yard catch and run by Will Levis to DeAndre Hopkins, the first play of the drive after they held the Dolphins with three and out, and there's that touchdown to cap it. That, and uh, Will Levis, uh, whew, Will Levis fired up. But when, when he hit Hopkins for the 36-yard catch and run, it's like, that's it, they're winning. They're going to win. They're going to win this game. They're going to steal a victory for the Miami Dolphins. And for a team, and this is what I'm impressed by, Packers, or Giants game, Giants really don't have anything to play for. And they played like it was, it, like they were, st- and they, they're, te- they're technically alive. They played like they're in the thick of it. They played like they're in the hunt. Titans, mm-hmm. they're not in it. They played like they're in it. I give credit to Mike Vrabel and Brian Dayball for having the teams ready to go out there and play their asses off as they're playing out the string of lost seasons, of unfulfilled expectations, of disappointing campaigns, they're still out there playing their asses off in the middle of December. I give them credit for that. Well, especially with the Titans, look, you had two critical turnovers that you gave the Miami Dolphins the ball deep in your territory, and then they score a couple of touchdowns, and it is easy at that point to just say, you know what, Uh, at least we're going to get You know, we tried, we came out here, we played really hard, but, you know, this is what happens. Hey, it's just not our season, it's not our year. And instead, the the Titans just say, no, 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 no. We're going to keep kicking their ass. Like, we're going to still go win this game. Because, frankly, the Titans kicked the Dolphins' ass all night. And that's something that I didn't really expect. But that's just the way Mike Vrabel coach teams do things, right? Yeah, okay, we gave up the sudden change touchdown, but it's not like... You know, we are not trying out here anymore. And we did some things that we don't usually do when it comes to hurting ourselves, but it's not like we are going to just roll over and die. They don't do that. And I love the way Will Levis responded. You know, this is a rookie quarterback who was only picked in the second round, right? You go back to draft night and he was in the room and, you know, you, of course you see him and he's reacting and it doesn't feel very good, but he's now in a spot where it looks like he's going to be able to thrive because the people around him believe in him. He believes in himself. And he is showing right now that he can be the guy for the Tennessee Titans going forward. I I thought there was just so much that was very impressive about the entire Titans performance last night. And you know what? I I think it makes you feel good going forward about what this team can do in the future. 
And there have been so many questions about would the Titans move on from Mike Vrabel? There's no way they should. They shouldn't even be thinking about it. And then there's the question mm-hmm. of whether or not if the Patriots make a coaching change, do they make a phone call to the Titans to try to bring Mike Vrabel home? He never coached there, but he played there. He joined the team's Hall of Fame just a couple of months ago. Well, if they're interested, the price goes up after a game like last night. That was a great, great win by the Titans who disrupted the Dolphins' formula. The Dolphins had been very reliable this year when it comes to winning the games they should and losing the games they should. And we'd been waiting for them to break that trend and actually win a game they shouldn't win. And they've got games that fall closer to that category after this weekend's visit from the Jets because they've got the Cowboys. They've got the Ravens. They've got the Bills. Even though the Bills are only 7-6, and six, the Bills are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now after winning in Kansas City on Sunday. So that – I just wonder. And let's hear from the leader of the offense, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, on how the Dolphins can keep – that loss last night from snowballing into a problem that could maybe jeopardize their hold on the AFC East. I, I don't think uh, I don't think this is the same Dolphins team that everyone thinks um, thinks about. Uh, we got a lot of really good players. We got really good coaches, um, and it, it's it's one loss. It's you know home uh, this year. It's not. Not like the world, the world ends uh, because we we lost this game. Uh, we're human. We'll continue to get better from this. Um, this is the NFL. No, no one's perfect. So that's that. And uh, what else are you going to say? Well, we're just done. We lost to a team we had no business losing to. We're at home. We got three out of our final four games at home, or four out of our final five games at home. I think it was. Four out of the final five, yes. And we're, we're, well, that's it. We just, you know, the chariots turned into a pumpkin. It's over. It's done. And, you know, one thing that has turned into a pumpkin is Tua Tonga-Vailoa's MVP candidacy. I think that's over and done now. If there's any MVP candidate coming out of that team, it's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's value was proven. Remember back in 2011 when you were in, like, grade school and Peyton Manning missed the whole year because of his neck, the four neck surgeries? Lost season for the Indianapolis Colts. The NFL had a very short-lived, or more properly short-lived, magazine. Official NFL magazine. That really did not last more than like six issues. But they made a big deal in one of the issues to make Peyton Manning the NFL MVP for 2011, even though he didn't play in a single game. And the theory was his value was proven in his absence. Well... I mean, it was a ridiculous take, but last night, as we're trying to figure out who the MVP of the NFL is this year, and there's anyone who thinks it's Tua over Tyreek, if you're picking somebody from the Dolphins, you remove Tyreek Hill from the equation with that ankle injury he suffered on what looked like a hip drop tackle, but was actually a horse collar tackle. Clearly a horse collar tackle when you look at it. You take Tyreek Hill out. He missed an extended stretch. It looked like he wasn't going to come back into the game. He did, and when he was back, he made a long catch, and he seemed to be running fine. I think he's just working on adrenaline at that point. Adrenaline and stubbornness and his his overwhelming focus and desire to get to 2,000 receiving yards. He doesn't want that derailed by an injury that may cause him to miss next week's game. Here's, I mean, he he exploded down the field for this one inside the 10 that he caught in the second half but he really didn't do much and he was out of the game on key drives so you know we don't know if he's going to miss more time beyond this but just last night alone miles you take him out of the mix and the dolphins offense is a very different operation it proves his value to the team which in turn proves his value to the league under that kind of amorphous Whatever MVP means, it's him over Tua. I, I would agree with that. And, you know, even though he finished with four catches, 61 yards, you, you do see what removing him from that offense does take away from Tua Tungavailoa's approach 
And also Mike McDaniel's approach kind of as the game plan. And obviously you don't plan for guys to get hurt, but you know that that's a possibility, All right? But when you don't have Tyreek Hill on the field, it does make a huge difference because it means that there's one fewer guy that you have to account for when it comes to speed and explosion. And, oh my God, he can take any catch and take it all the way down the field for a touchdown. So of course that is going to change the dynamism of any offense, but especially that of Mike McDaniels. So yeah, I think there is certainly some merit to say, and okay, Tyreek Hill and his value to that offense is in some ways way greater than the value that Tua Tungavailoa brings. And frankly, Tua Tungavailoa just did not have a good night generally. I mean, I think there are issues that came up again, right? The fumbled snap early on in that game. That's something that happened, I believe, here in Los Angeles back in week one when they were playing the Chargers. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? You can't just drop a snap toward the end zone. And that's what he did. And so it came up again. You know, you have that critical fumble that takes points off the board and then Tyreek Hill gets hurt and then the passing game, you know, suffers from that dramatically. And frankly, I think the run game does too because it's another guy that you don't have to account for when they're doing all this crazy motion stuff that Mike McDaniel has schemed up so well. So yeah, look, I I think that Dolphins offense, as long as it has Tyreek Hill, right, is going to still be explosive. But the minute you remove him, and it becomes Jalen Waddle and everybody else. And I don't mean this in a bad way to Jalen Waddle because I think he's also a great player. But you take away one great guy, it certainly does make a huge difference. Much like how if you take Debo Samuel away, as Debo Samuel was gone for three games for San Francisco, that makes that team an entirely different offense. So those are the kinds of things that can sometimes happen. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's hear from Tyreek Hill regarding what happened with the ankle and how it came to be that he re-entered the game in the second half. It was a lot of pain, man. It was... It sucked. Like when it when it actually happened, you know, um, I, I obviously been dealing with some ankle injuries this whole season, and you know when it happened, like my my first reaction was like, man, my my ankle gone. Then my my adrenaline kicked in. I ran off the field. And then I sat for a while and got stiff. Like I was just going through a lot of man. So then I just made up in my mind. I came in at halftime. I text my wife. I was like, bro, like this shit hurt. Like. Get an ankle massage tonight. She was like, you better get your ass back in that game, dog. I was like, all right. So I just made up my mind that it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. Tomorrow morning, tonight and tomorrow morning, you know, and I just went back in the game. Not quite the same level of inspiration as when Adrian comes out of the coma and says, I want you to do one thing for me, win. Boom. But still, still. The wife gives the directive, and Tyreek is back in the game. Now, a little problem with this. Don't pro- And they're going to call us narcs for this, but we don't – I mean, look, the rule's the rule. They're either going to enforce it or they're not. They're not listening to us. We're just trying to make people understand what may be coming for Tyreek Hill because it's my understanding, based upon an executive with one of the other teams, that if you're injured, you are allowed to call a family member, provided it's in the presence of – Whoever has been designated, whether it's team doctor, director of security, etc. 
but no allowance of text messaging. So ordinarily, you can't use your phone at halftime. You can call a family member if you're injured, if the doctor's there or the other designated person is there. But you can't just grab your phone and start texting. You can't. That's just one of the clear rules, and people have been fined for that in the past. It's not a huge fine, but it's something that is frowned upon. They want no communication with the outside world during these games. So that's a little bit of a red flag, and we'll see exactly what the rule is and whether it was complied with in Tyreek Hill's case. If it's a fine, it's not going to be much. Five, ten grand, something like that. To quote the great Randy Moss, what's ten grand to me? So it's not a big deal for Tyree Kill if he gets fined. The real question I see is this, Miles. How's he going to feel today? Mm-hmm. Like he mustered everything he possibly could to come back and play through that pain yesterday. And it still wasn't enough for him to play on a regular basis in the second half of the game. It's going to be yeah. important to see what the injury report says this week because he could miss some time with that injury. Oh, he could. And, you know, that's the thing about ankles. You, know, you kind of don't realize just how bad it is in the moment and you can kind of go off of the adrenaline but like you said once you wake up the next morning sometimes that thing is swollen and you're like oh my gosh I can't believe I played on this last night then things are going to get a little bit different and also you know it's a short week so there's one fewer day to recover now we saw Trevor Lawrence go out on the field after suffering the high ankle sprain last Monday night plays against the Browns was not necessarily as effective as he would probably have liked to be, but the Browns defense can do that to a lot of different people. It's a little bit different too, when you're talking about a receiver and how explosive that that guy's got to be, especially when you're talking about a receiver of Tyreek Hill's caliber and his speed and his explosiveness, all of the things that make him such a great player. So, I mean, this could be an issue when you're playing a defense like that of the Jets and the Jets have new life now, right? Zach Wilson came out and played like a house of fire. So maybe they've got a new belief in that effort mentality and they can come in and they can show the Dolphins what's what. So this is going to be something that definitely has to be monitored over the course of the week. I, I would be surprised if he practiced on Wednesday, but Thursday, Friday are really the days where it's going to be, okay, we will see if he's going to be out there, what kind of effectiveness he has, is he limited, and is he going to be questionable going into this game in week 15? There's that unspoken... Everybody always says the right things. They always hug each other and shake hands. But there's still a rivalry of sorts between Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. Who's going to do better without the other, right? It's the player and player version of the – I know. Well, I know. That's all the more reason for Tyreek Hill to do what Patrick Mahomes did en route to the Super Bowl. Here's where I'm going with that. Mahomes sprains his ankle, and he comes back and plays in the game. He comes back and plays in the game. And he doesn't miss a beat, and they win the Super Bowl. The difference, though, is even though Patrick Mahomes is very mobile and relies upon the ability to move laterally, vertically, wherever he needs to go, that's not the bread and butter of what he does. The arm is the bread and butter of what he does. For Tyree Kill, it's the legs and the explosion. And you see the way he gets off the line of scrimmage in that little he, – he squats down like a catcher and then he fires away into motion – and then turns it upfield, and he's shot out of a cannon. Think Mm -hmm. of the stress that that puts on every joint from the hips to the ankles. And if the ankle is injured, it makes it harder to do it. And he he willed his way through it last night, but it it clearly caused him pain and distress, or he would have been back. Because look, at the end of the day, his wife told him to go play, not just a few plays. He was supposed to play. And games in crunch time, and... He isn't playing. So, you know, he must be hurt versus injured, pain versus incapacity. Yeah. I think that thing is going to be bothering him all week. It's going to be maybe bothering him for the rest of the season. Who knows? But the quest for 2,000 yards, he had four for 61 last night. I assume he's still on pace to get 2,000. He's on pace for almost 2,100 going into the game. But it's now gone from sure thing to I don't know I don't know we'll see if he misses time with this ankle we'll see how much and we'll see if the Dolphins like the Dolphins kind of indulged him last night they don't have a problem with the player I think most teams would have shut the guy down you don't get a vote here you're not capable of playing we've examined the ankle he willed his way back into the game 
kind of the same way Patrick Mahomes did. At some point, the Dolphins owe it to themselves and to him to say, we'd rather you not play for a game or two or three and have you ready for the postseason instead of aggravating, re-injuring, not letting this properly heal. We need you when we're chasing a championship, not when you're chasing 2,000 yards. Well, and the other thing, Mike, I mean, you could tell that he was really injured. Like, I mean, you were alluding to this, you know, the fact that he was playing select plays and not every play. And I think that that really affected that four-minute drill that the Miami Dolphins were trying to run. You know, that's one thing where it's like, okay, if Tyreek Hill's not on the field, it's pretty clear that the Dolphins are going to try to run it here, you know? And they were not as aggressive as they usually are. You know, you're only up by six points. You need to get this first down. You need to be able to try to close this game out. And they weren't able to do it in large part because it was pretty clear what the strategy was and where the focus had to be defensively once Tyreek Hill wasn't on the field. And I kind of thought that, you know, it was fourth and what, fourth and three, fourth and four, that the Dolphins might go for it in that situation, try to end the game on offense, because Mike McDaniel has been that aggressive in certain spots before, but he didn't do it last night. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. And I, I thought that some of that definitely had to do with the fact that Tyreek Hill was not his normal 100% self. That's not to say that he wasn't given his all when he was on the field. Obviously he was, but when those kinds of things happen, you have to deal with those kinds of injuries that not only changes things from a statistical standpoint, right? Where he ends up just with four and 61. It's also, Hey, what is our strategy on offense and how can we best utilize our personnel? Well, our best player is not on the field. So that really does make a difference when you're trying to close a game out and you're trying to win it. How do you win it? Well, if we don't have our guy at his best, Man, you know, it, it changes things a lot. And so, yeah, I guess you rely on your defense instead, and the defense didn't come through, you know? And so that's one of these things now the Dolphins are going to have to deal with going forward. And they're going to have to worry about the Bills coming up on the outside, making the hard push at the end. Two-game lead the Dolphins have with four to play. They finish the season against each other. There's a chance Week 18 comes down to AFC East, Bills at Dolphins because the Bills win and complete the sweep. Because remember, the Bills, they popped the Dolphins balloon 48-20 to earlier this year. Back when we thought the Dolphins were eh and the Bills were great. Then the Dolphins became great. The Bills became eh. And now, now all they have to do is pick up one game in the next three weeks. And week 18 is AFC East Championship game. Hallelujah. Maybe Sunday night. Who knows? Who knows how they're going to make their choices? Because they got two games they got to put on Saturday now. They got to pick the Sunday night game. There are rules about flexing with Thursday and Monday involved that complicate the whole thing. But yeah, clear shot. It's not going to be winners in and losers out. That's usually the perfect final game of the season. But yeah. you can have very impactful final games. Remember, there was a 49ers Seahawks game 2019. Winners the one seed, losers the five seed. Big game with big implications. Could be, could be winners the two seed, because I think the Ravens now, I saw last night on ESPN, 53% chance the Ravens are going to be the one seed. Could be winners yeah. the one seed, could be winners the two seed, but obviously whoever doesn't win the division is at best going to be the five seed in the AFC. So yeah. Dolphins all of a sudden, smooth sailing. And one of the big points they made on hard knocks when they were eight and three and moved to nine and three, that was huge for them because they were eight and three last year and they lost five in a row. And they were very happy to get to nine and three because that was the indication that this year isn't going to be like last year. Well, now, now all of a sudden last year is showing up again and we'll see if they can get it together with this reborn for the fifth time, Zach Wilson Jets, and they got nothing to lose, and nobody expects anything from them. And it's a short week for the Dolphins, like you said. Tyreek Hill, questions about him, questions about Tua. So rematch of the Black Friday game coming around quick. And uh, all of a sudden, and it's, it's, it changes. You know, we, we think that we have it all figured out. And all it takes is one three-minute window of a game, and it all changes. It all changes. Although... That said, I mean, 
the Titans were giving it to him all night long. It really is weird how the Dolphins yeah. exploded to take that lead. Because all night long it felt sluggish and it felt like the Dolphins were off. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, they're the Dolphins again. But only because of another special teams miscue by the Titans that turned into a Raheem Mostert touchdown. And then that weird, ill-advised Will Levis flip to Derrick Henry that turned into another Raheem Mostert touchdown. He now is 18, tying Ricky Williams for the franchise single-season record. And then it's 27-13. It's like, okay, the Dolphins finally showed up. No, and and that's why I give the I give the Titans a ton of credit. And there's the moment. There's yeah. the moment when it's twenty to thirteen, and the Dolphins get the ball again. And it's like, all right, you know, this is yeah, it was a weird game. We you know we we we, we kind of played with our food a little bit, and well, we're gonna we're gonna win. We're gonna cover. They're sticking it to the Titans a little bit with the remember the Titans dance. Maybe they shouldn't have done that. And uh, there's Mostert <laughs> with touchdown number eighteen. But I yeah, I give the Titans a ton of credit. It would have been so easy in that moment to say, you know what? We gave it our shot. We tried. At least you tried with the Bart Simpson cake. And, and uh, you know, we, it, it ended up where we knew it was going to go. But, no, Will Levis and company fought and scratched and clawed, and they pulled off the victory. Yeah, they did. And yeah, it was. It was a fold-up-the-tents moment when, you know, Will Levis pitches that thing to Derrick Henry, and it's a fumble, and it, it just looked really, really bad. It was one of those plays where it was kind of like, man, did y'all practice this enough this week? Like, you had an extra day of practice, and then you come out in the game, and then you run it in that critical situation, and it just looked like nobody was prepared for it. But, you know, to their credit, they came back. They went down the field quickly. They scored. They got the stop. They went down the field quickly and scored in 26 seconds of game time. And when that happened, Mike, I'm like, well, that's enough time for the Dolphins to go do what they need to do, especially because we'd just seen the Giants go do what they need to do on the other channel. So that's another thing where it's like, all right, well, let's see. What what does Tua have right here? Can Tyreek be effective in this two-minute drill off the ankle injury? Can Jalen Waddle be effective off the ankle, or excuse me, off, you know, just be effective enough to go down the field and score? So that's one thing we didn't see from the Dolphins. They did not respond in the way that they needed to in the critical situation. And you look at what the defense did here. They collapsed the pocket to the Titans, and then they had somebody else right where Atua Tungavailoa was going to try to escape the pocket up the middle, and he couldn't do it. So I just I thought the Titans did a phenomenal job pretty much throughout the night. I mean, think about how many times the Dolphins actually were able to score on offense when they didn't have a short field. You know, you had a Levis pick six, then you had two touchdowns basically off of really bad turnovers. The the Titans went in there and they played a great, great football game. They really did. So, you know what? Anybody that's got to play the Titans over the next few weeks, look out because that team is still playing and they're still playing hard. And, and that's the thing that's been so refreshing about these past few weeks. Maybe it's just because the teams really are more jumbled up than the records would suggest. When I sat down yesterday to start to map out the power rankings for this week, it dawned on me there's one exceptional team, the 49ers. There's mm-hmm. four great teams. There's one really bad team in the Panthers. And then there's everybody else where – Their record is a product of happenstance, injury, bad calls, which always entail a very good call for someone else. You know, people complain (laughs) about bad calls because we don't want bad calls. But there's usually a team that's just kind of like keeping their head low and their mouth shut after a bad call because they benefited from that horrendous call. No complaints from the Packers after they wiped out MVS nine days ago and preserve their win over the Chiefs. So no complaints from the Bills after the very accurate call. We'll talk about the aftermath of that later on Sunday on Kadarius Tony. But it really is any given Sunday from 6 to 31. And you're going to win some, and you're going to lose some. And I don't want to take away from talent and coaching and preparation and seizing the moment. But there really isn't that much of a difference Once you get out of the top five, there isn't that much of a difference between the Lions and the Cardinals. There really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Other than the fact that their records are different. (laughs) This year, yeah, that is the case. I mean, especially with the Lions right now with the way they're trending. I mean, they're not 
the Lions are not trending in the right direction, you know, especially given the way they've played. I don't know, let's call it since Thanksgiving. They're just, they're not as sharp. They're not doing the things that they need to do to be a great team. So yeah, they're a good team. They've got a good record, but right now they're not playing great. And you know, it, all of those things matter. I think in December, when you're trying to make a playoff push, can you actually do the things that you need to do in order to win, in order to get the highest possible seed, in order to secure your division, all those things matter. So I, I do think you're right. You know, from about, I would say even maybe about five or six, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how many really good teams there really are. It's just kind of a lot of mid and, you know, some teams are in the upper echelon of mid, but there's one great team to me right now. And that's the San Francisco 49ers, as long as everybody's healthy. Well, I'll give you a little preview because these go live on Tuesday after mm-hmm. the show. Now we present them here and discuss them and critique them on Wednesday's PFT live. But here's what I've got so far, just as an illustration of how of how beyond the 49ers and the Ravens and the Cowboys and the Eagles, it becomes difficult. Because now the yeah. Dolphins, before last night's game, to me, the five teams that stood apart were 49ers, Ravens, Cowboys, Eagles, Dolphins. Okay, yeah. They're the top five. A little preview. Number six is the seven and six Bills. Number oh, six is hot. the seven and six Bills. They're hot, and, I mean, who, who else would it be? The Chiefs, who just lost to the Bills? The Lions, who just lost handily to the Bears and have lost two of their last three? The Jaguars, who have lost two in a row? I mean, the Browns finish out the top ten after beating the Jaguars, and now I'm looking at this. Wait a minute. I better put the Browns ahead of the Jaguars. I better move them up. See, I haven't done the final edits yet. But number Thank six is the Buffalo much. Bills right now. Number six, yes, I knew you would like that. Number six, oh, oh, my son's mad at me because I'm in with the Browns. He's, you know, he's like, I don't like the Browns. I'm like, well, I kind of like the Browns because when why? you, you know, I, I, I become, well, I, I'll tell you, let me tell you why I am. Because, like, I want you to be happy as much as you might, as much as you might think otherwise. Maybe I just feel guilty because I make your life miserable on a day in and day out basis. I want you to be happy. I think that in the broader football universe, there's something that is right and good and true about the Browns being good. I think it's horrible yeah, for fans that have put in the time, they've put in the money, they've put in the effort, they've put in the emotion to just constantly be crapped on by the football gods. And also my, my niece is a huge Browns fan. That's a fairly significant part of it too. I want her to be happy. I like it when the games are going on and she texts me and she's happy you know, it's just I, – and I, I love the Joe Flacco story. I told Flacco when I talked to him on Sunday, look, they asked me who I root for. I root for good stories, and you're a great story, and keep kicking ass. And, that, you know, it's just a fun, fun thing that the Browns are doing. So you're right. They need to be ahead of the Jaguars. Sorry, Jaguars. But that's just an example of how it's all just kind of clustered together. And yes. that's what makes and, – and, look, I didn't volunteer to – hype up the final four weeks of the NFL season on behalf of the NFL. But, you know, given the fact that I spend every waking moment of my life promoting their product, it's probably kind of baked into what I do. These next four weeks are going to be awesome. I mean, this is it. This is the, the chase to the finish where there's one team. I mean, think about this. It's a race. It's a marathon, but it's become a sprint. The final four weeks is the sprint. And you've got the person in first place who has a huge margin, who has the history of tripping over their own two feet and falling down and injuring themselves and being the Peter Griffin gif where they're holding their knee while everybody passes them by. And then you've got a pack of a few behind, far behind, and then you got everybody else. And somebody's going to come out of that everybody else and maybe pick off the second group and maybe make a run at the team that has that propensity to trip over their own two feet, get themselves injured, and be a very different team. So even though 49ers far and away the best team right now, these last four weeks have the potential to be awesome as we figure out who's going to have the chance to try to chase down the best teams when the postseason rolls around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's tight in both the AFC and the NFC. I mean, you know, we think, I think, of the AFC is right now the better conference or just less top heavy, but you've got a lot of good teams. And think about it right now, the bills, 
who are very high in your power rankings. They're seven and six, but they've still got to jump a lot of teams just to get in the actual playoff picture as opposed to being in the hunt. I believe they're 11th no, they don't. in the conference No, they right don't. Now. No, they don't. No, they don't. All they have to do is pick up one game on the Dolphins. All they have to do is pick up one game on the Dolphins over the next three weeks, and they're in if they beat the Dolphins week 18. They don't have to jump anybody. All they have to do is pick up one game on the Dolphins over the next three weeks. The Dolphins who play the Cowboys and the Ravens over the course of the next three weeks pick up one game, and it's a playoff game, de facto week 18. You win and you're in. Even if you don't get in as a wild card, you do get in as the AFC East champion. Well, that also counts on the Bills continuing to stay hot and continuing to win, right? So there are no guarantees in that because we've seen the Bills fall over themselves and trip over themselves this year, too. So I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And again, that's part of what makes exactly what your point was, that these last quarter of the season, which I will still call it that, even though there's no quarters to the season anymore because there are 17 games, but this last quarter of the season is going to be very exciting because you have all of these teams that are still in it and not just from the wild card perspective in the AFC, but also in the NFC where you've got a bunch of teams. Some teams are playing better than others. The Rams, I think if they keep playing the way they're playing and they play the way they played at Baltimore, aside from, you know, letting up six missed tackles on a punt return, like, they are going to continue to keep themselves in the playoff picture too, right? And then you've got the NFC South. And there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up here. So I'm really excited for the last quarter of the season, and I think we all should be. And even though there's only one team at the end of it all that is happy, here's the reality. Jobs are going to be saved or lost based on what happens the next four weeks. And jobs may be lost or saved based on what happens in the wild card round. Mm-hmm. We've seen that before. We've seen coaches fired after the divisional round before. So there's a lot riding on the next four weeks of football, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be maddening. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be anxiety-ridden for fans and players and coaches. But as somebody who just loves to watch exciting games, whether it's one at a time or two at a time or more at a time, it's going to be on fun. At one. And there's going to be a lot – there's going to be a lot of standalone games coming up. And there's a lot. ESPNs, they, they flashed their schedule last night the rest of the way. Holy crap. They got three great games, and then they have a doubleheader week 18 on Saturday. They've got some great games coming up. We've got some great games coming up on NBC. There are a lot of great games coming up. And if the Bills are going to catch the Dolphins, they can help themselves this weekend by beating the Dallas Cowboys, who are coming mm-hmm. to town to play in Buffalo against those Bills. Let's take a break. The other Monday night game. Giants-Packers, which had significant ramifications on the NFC playoff field. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 